You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Sherry Blevins, and I'm so very happy to be here with you this morning. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm honored that I was asked to speak, and I count it as all privilege. Um, when Pastor Phil came to me and asked me to speak about the journey and growing in the fact that you are loved. And um, I've got time restraints, so I'm going to jump right in there and start by saying, don't begrudge the journey. Uh, as I said before, my life has been very adventurous, and that's a kind word. Uh, that brought me here through through all through journey that has been rather remarkable. And so, I want to share some of the key experiences of my life, um, which illustrate how we can get so far away from God. How we can get. Uh, wrong emotions and, and a wrong mindset uh, that takes us in, in dark places and um, how through Christ that we can get out of that. And uh, so I start with my father left when I was very young, went out the door one day and never looked back, didn't see or hear from him for from years and years. And I had a mother that became very depressed and was rather loveless and uh, begrudged all these kids that she was left with to raise. And um, so the atmosphere was, was never real good. Um, I had an experience with uh, a very bad experience when I was about 13 years old with a neighborhood boy that was much older. And I call that day a loss of innocence. And there was a pattern set there of the same type of experiences that I would go through over and over again all my young adult life. So as a, as a young teen, I had become very hard-hearted. And um, as I said before, rebellion knocked on my door and I answered. I ran away from home when I was 15 years old. I was out hitchhiking to get around and uh, I ended up in jail. Yes, Sherry, the church lady, has been in jail. I sure have. And um, looking back, I, it was divine intervention that stopped me in my tracks of where I was really headed. Um, the result of that was a, a great lack of trust. I, had, I didn't trust anyone. I did, though, have praying grandparents. My grandparents took us to church when we were young children. And so I had the basic belief. I, I believed that there was a God, but um, he was very out of reach for me. Um, I, I had no clue that he was attainable for someone like me at all. Um, but I, he planted a seed. And I want to put on the, the screen here two scriptures that I want to use today. And these scriptures have... Um, I've always loved them, and, and they led me through, through my life. James uh, 5.16 says, the, pray, the prayers of a righteous man, let me read it here. 
The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. My grandfather was a righteous man because he had aligned himself with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and God was at the center of him. That's all it takes to make you a righteous man. He was a godly, righteous man. And uh, the, a fervent prayer is a prayer that he, he believed. He never changed his mind. He was praying for me fervently. He never changed his mind. And the effectual part of that scripture, I, I want to use my second scripture to illustrate that, which is 2 Peter 3, 9, that says, The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering suffering or patient. Good thing. Good thing he's been so patient with me. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that was the effectual part of what my grandfather was praying. That was the will of God. My grandfather was praying the will of God, and my grandfather was a righteous man. And so, like I said, I really had, uh, I, I really had no way out of this. Uh, it was a promise, and uh, God keeps his promises. I, I had no thoughts of God at this time of life. I just didn't, just something I didn't think about. I got married at age 18, and it was totally party central, totally party central. Every single day, every single night, our lives were wrapped around that. And um, we, we were really living, we were involved in criminal activities. We really, really were. And... Um, I had an experience one day that has stayed with me my whole life because it was n not natural. It was, it was a supernatural event. And what happened was I was walking from the back of my house to a shed that was in the back of our yard. We were country people. And this stopped me in my tracks. I heard a voice. I, I know it wasn't audible to the rest of the world, but I heard inside my spirit, I heard these words, warning, snake, warning, snake. I heard it just like that, very loud, very dominant, warning, snake. Now, I w I'm a country girl still. I was a farm girl then, so snakes were just part of life. If you saw a snake, you went around it. So it's not like I had this phob a phobia about snakes. So th this was a weird experience. It did cause me to go with caution into the shed to reach into this box of what I was going after. And uh, so instead of just putting my hand straight down inside that box like I would have done, I tipped it forward and looked first. And guess what was in that box? There he was. There he was. The box was kind of small and kind of tall, so I would have put my hand right down on top of him and grabbed him. He had no place to go. Can you imagine that experience? And so when I got back out of the shed, I was dumbfounded. Where did that come from? How did I know that? I, 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 there was no explanation, and, and uh, I was really pretty confused about it and even thought, Maybe I have ESP. <laughs> and as I said earlier, I found out down the road that what I had was HS, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was making himself known to me. 
Holy Spirit was honoring my grandfather's prayer to go save her, Lord, she needs you. Holy Spirit was showing me with this, such a simple act that he talked, was talking to me, calling me, coming for me, that I could hear him and that he wanted to bring me warning, warning, snake. Believe me, I needed that. I encountered lots of snakes in, in my life. And so this was an, an event that I would go back to from time to time and it, it stayed, had such an effect on me. Inside that marriage, there was a great betrayal. It was a great betrayal with the people involved. And I ended up in divorce number one. I went on down the road. I had two young children. And approximately a year later, I met a man. I was looking for Mr. Wright to solve all of my problems. I was sure that's how a girl should go. And I met Mr. All Wrong. I met Mr. Domestic Violence. I, he was Mr. Fear. Mr. Manipulation, uh, darkness, insanity, and I, and, I, and I mean that word, insanity. I was living in total darkness. I ended up having to flee, taking my two little girls by their hands and an overnight bag and had to get out. I went to a uh, family member and they did open the door and take me in, but it was not without condemnation. And this was a person I loved. She didn't know, but it was condemnation. How many mistakes are you going to make, Sherry? How many bad choices are you going to make, Sherry? How many bad situations are you going to let yourself get in? And uh, my head was hanging low. My head was hanging low. And I'm afraid I did not get away from this man in time that um, before I got away from him, I was involved in a motorcycle wreck with him. And some trickle-down effect. I've now had 12 surgeries. Couldn't even walk. Was in a wheelchair. Suffered paralysis for a while. They didn't know if I'd ever be able to walk again. Inability to work. Single. Young children. And now what entered into my life was bitterness and resentment, anger, and even hate, was filled with hate. Because of that seed my grandpa had planted all those years ago, I made the decision to seek out a church, a local church here, and, and I got saved. I got saved. I was about 30 years old and I did get saved. And in that church, I, I learned about the Word of God, and I fell in love with the Word of God uh, and started my journey with God. But um, I think the devil was holding on strong, saying, uh, I don't want to let this one go. She represents my kingdom well. <laughs> uh, and my feet were not planted on solid ground. I did not know yet who I was in Christ. I didn't know that. And so... Um, Shortly after, I met a, an, another man who, who became my second husband, and we started out in the church, but because neither one of us were very grounded in it, didn't, didn't have all that knowledge, we quickly went from the church to the bars, and uh, he belonged 
he joined a motorcycle club and we lived that lifestyle. And uh, as much as I still do love some of my brothers that I and, and friends that I met in those places, um, it was not at all wholesome. And marriage number two failed. And so now I've had this big stamp of failure across my forehead everywhere I went. So this time I went back to God, desperate again. But the difference was I was broken. I was so totally broken. And for any of you out there that might be broken, don't begrudge it. It's a good place because it was a pivotal place. It was the turning point. Something had to be better than this. There has to be more. And so this God I'd been told about, I started uh, diving into the word of God. I encourage you, get into the word of God. We have so many so many avenues that we can do that. And, and I did. I just dove in. I listened and I read. And I read the Bible from cover to cover. And um, it finally got into my spirit of who I was in Christ and his great love for me. And I look back over some of these experiences, and, and I'm talking some very wild, very dangerous situations. And I, I, it dawned on me that how much trouble I had averted. I was in a second motorcycle wreck. I really should be dead. <laughs> uh, someone was trying to kill me. But someone else was bringing me life. Someone else would not let me go. I don't care how far away you get from God. He wants you. He would not let me go. And he patiently, as the scripture said, brought me back into him. This time my heart was right. And after being in that word, a revelation came over me like a flood. I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven for by God. I forgave all these others that were involved. I had acceptance. That was a big one in me. I, I never felt accepted. And God treated me with unconditional love that told me I was totally accepted by him. I experienced deliverance from some of these things that had such a hold because I learned that I had authority. We have a choice. And... Um, I learned how to use that and take authority over these things that were trying to draw me in and, and overcame. And then along with that came hope and joy and peace and rest. What a beautiful place. Peace and rest, what a beautiful place. And you can't, you can't get to that place without God. And healing, like I said before, I'm starting to experience some healing. Anybody notice there's no pain? There's no braces on my knees. I feel good. I, I've, I'm a ball of energy now. It, 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 this is amazing to me. And then the last word that I want to speak about is worship as the, as the band takes their place. I know that I'm verbal that I'm, when I'm down here in front and I'm worshiping, I know that I am loud. And I've said that I've, it was even referred to one day as that shouting lady. Oh, I know her. That's that shouting lady. 
And so when I would drive in here on Sunday mornings, I would tell myself, Sherry, take it down a notch. Take it down a notch. There's no sense in all that. That's, you're distracting. But when I got in here with you, when I'm here with all of you, and the music starts, and we sing the words, and I'm reminded of what all I've been forgiven of and what all I've been saved from. I'm sorry, folks. Get used to me. I'm the shouting lady. I'm going to worship him forevermore. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> like, I'm always here, right? But my name's Ashley. And uh, Phil asked me to come up and speak about the discovery um, that I'm loved here on Mother's Day. And I was excited about it because I feel like God really downloaded in my heart to encourage other women because I've, I've struggled since childhood with, you know, a spirit of rejection all my life. And man, the enemy had a stronghold. So me breaking free, I'm like, oh, I, wanna, I want other women to be set free. Um, so I'm like, okay, discovering that I'm loved. Well, that's the whole Bible, and I don't have time for that, guys. <laughs> I don't have time. Um, I, I do have to share. When Tim spoke last week, and he shared about how he picked out a specific outfit because you got, he wanted you guys to take him serious, you know? So it look, looked like he cared about what he was wearing. So I'm like, what am I going to wear? <laughs> so I, I literally went home from church and I ordered a kimono thinking, oh, that's cute. That's new. I've never worn a kimono before. Okay. And I show my husband when it comes a few days later and he's like, you're going to wear that on stage? It looks like a flag. It looks like a flag. So I'm like, okay. So thanks for that, Tim. <laughs> uh, but back to, back to what God put on my heart. Um, one specific scripture has really stood out to me, and I've come back to it time and time again, um, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. That's not the right one. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, actually, it's Ephesians 1, verse 5, guys, okay? Because Ephesians 1, verse 5, showed me that I have somewhere to belong. I might have felt rejected along the way, but I have somewhere to belong, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That this is, and this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That has comforted me so many times on my journey. It gave him great pleasure. He wanted us to be adopted into his family through his son. And now, after Phil had asked me to share, I was doing a revelation study, and... I was reading through chapter seven about the great tribulation. And I'm not gonna teach about, you know, the prophecy and the great tribulation. I hope none of us are a part of the tribulation. I hope we're all part of the rapture and that we don't get to experience that. But some of us, mental tribulation is our reality. We've struggled with post-traumatic post stress disorder, anxiety, fear, suicidal depression. And we know what it's like to live in a mental tribulation. <clears throat> and so I, I just saw Jesus all over this. I saw promises all over this about where we can go to, to escape from our tribulation. I, wanna, I want to look at 
a slide that has some statistics about mental tribulation, okay? Because if you don't struggle with it, I promise you, somebody you know is struggling. Somebody you know is struggling. 26% of Americans 18 and older suffer from a diagnosable mental health disorder. Approximately one out of every four people. 18% of all people are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder in a given year. 15 to 23% of children living with a parent who is battling mental illness, 15 to 23% are living with a parent who is battling mental illness. And of those children, they have up to a 50% chance of developing mental illness at some point in their life. This is Mother's Day. We're supposed to be celebrating in a happy way, right? (laughs) It's raining, that's okay. But I wanna go back to the promises that just shot out to me in the book of Revelation. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And that, just to slow down and look at that, that is a promise for all of us that his blood can wash away every blemish, every lie that was spoken over you, every label that was giving, given to you by somebody who did not buy you with a high price. <laughs> that makes me feel free. That makes me feel good. <clears throat> this part here, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And I wanted to really slow down about throne. I'm sorry, that's me messing with my hair. Um, I wanted to slow down about that word throne because I think sometimes when we think about Revelation, we think like, oh, this is a future event, you know, what is in there for us right now? It's scary, let's not go there. But how can he be sitting on the throne of our life right now? And I, this is where I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God brought, bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. think as we serve him and we place him on the temple, he's on the throne of our heart and we focus on that. He will shelter us with his presence. That's a promise for all of us right now. That's not a future event. He he will shelter us with his presence right now. If you accept him as your savior, savior and he comes in and you're focused on him, his presence becomes thicker and you are sheltered by that presence. The world can throw all kinds of stuff at you and you're sheltered. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them or any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I saw that, you know, the springs of living water. Like, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But I don't think it's just some beautiful thing we read. I think it's real life. 
He will guide you to the places, to the things, and to the people who are flowing with that living water. And it, and it is so freeing. It's so freeing. I want to go back, guys, because as we um, start to live in that freedom, it does more than, more than just set us free. It does more than just set us free. So I want to go back to that statistic slide again. 15 to 23% of children live with a parent who is battling mental illness. Of these children, they have up to a 50% chance of developing mental illness in their life. Jesus already gave us the victory. He already did. But there is an action that has to take place. We have to walk it out. We have to walk it out and come up to him. And when we do that, not only are we being set free, we're breaking those generational curses that have been passed down, generational curses that some of us have been badgered with generation after generation in our family. We break those off and we start to pass on blessings instead of curses to future generations. <laughs> and I just feel, I read that and I thought, okay, this is a lot of depressing stuff, but oh my gosh, how empowered I feel to read I have the power to break this curse off and pass something better onto my kids. Not this hate, self-hatred, this self-doubt, but blessings and identity in Christ. That revelation, guys, it brought me so much peace in my mama heart, and I hope it does you for this Mother's Day. Um, happy Mother's Day. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mothers out there, and happy Mother's Day to you, Mama, at home. Um, my name is Mandy. The Lord led my husband and I here um, seven or eight weeks ago. He moves pretty quickly sometimes. Um, but uh, Pastor Phil, can I just say, Pastor Phil has such a heart. Y'all are so blessed. We just, oh, we miss him today, but we know that he's relaxing, so... Um, but yeah, he asked me to uh, speak on the life change because you are loved. So uh, I asked the Lord what I was to share today because I have countless testimonies of his goodness and it's my heart's desire to give him the praises and the glory for what he has done in my life. It was also my desire for it to encourage all of you. Please realize that this is, um, this is a Mother's Day message for you ladies, but it's my desire that it would touch each and every one of you. It's the desire of the Father. So, um, Father, he's so good. So may this bless you as it comes from the heart of the Father. So today I'm going to share with you my modern-day story of the woman with the issue of blood. For those who may not be familiar with this story, you will find it in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. And it reads, And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, 
her discharge of blood was ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and you are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. My story begins when I was in my early 30s, married with three kids, full-time job as a supervisor in Cincinnati, making good money, and we had just bought our first home. Everything was going great, or so I thought. It's important to know that I didn't know Father God at this time. I had believed in God. I had prayed only when I needed something, even though he had shown himself to me in my early 20s. I talked myself out of it. Although it was a drop to your knees, scream for your for help moment of total desperation. I had got up for work one morning, feeling horrible as if I had had the flu, my body hurt, muscles ached, feeling very fatigued. I pushed through the day, but then the next morning I felt the same thing. I thought I had had a bug or something. I left for work, and halfway through my hour and 15-minute commute, I found myself drifting to sleep. Yes, after sleeping all night. I had to pull over at one point. It had gotten that bad. Once at work, I fell asleep at my desk. Feeling horrible, I managed to push through that day. By the third day, I called in, which was not like me at all. I then noticed joint pain that was so bad, I found it hard to grasp things with my hands, and then came the hip pain that made it hard to walk. I had also noticed that my cycle was way off. I called the doctor, and so it began. The circus of going from doctor to doctor and having medication for every symptom thrown at me. Nothing anyone gave me helped. It only worsened. Side effects of medications were horrendous. I had been the rheumatoid specialist to Cincinnati, from Cincinnati to the Cleveland Clinic, and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. Every test came back fine, all labs normal, and so forth and so on. All the while, I was becoming less and less of a person, now so drugged and depressed that I was sleeping 18 hours out of the day, practically bedridden due to pain and medications. Not to mention the 50 pounds I gained to medication side effects. At this point, I couldn't work. I lost my job. I couldn't be a mother. I couldn't be a wife. So what was the point in living? If I couldn't live at all. I would blame God. I would ask him why. Why are you letting me suffer like this? Letting my kids suffer without their mom? Letting my husband suffer? I was bitter. 
day after day, and month after month, year after year. Seven, to be exact. The number of completion in the Bible. Lying in bed, staring at the walls, or looking out the window, longing to be back in the world, saying things like, I would do anything to be able to do the dishes without pain, or to be able to stand there long enough, or to do the laundry and grasp wet clothes. I would love to be able to hug my kids without them hurting me, or just to be with my husband. You must understand that my body was so sensitive to touch, I couldn't bear to be touched. I would ask my husband to read me the Bible and explain it to me because, you see, I was so blind that I couldn't read the word and understand any of it. One day, something shifted in my thinking, and I had started to ask God for help and began to ask him to heal me, making deals with him out of my flesh. If you heal me, then I will whatever you want. How many of you have done that? If you do this for me, then I will do this for you, and I promise you he is not that kind of God. He loves you so much. And I began to feel something telling me the word hormones. I heard it several times. I had this strong gut feeling it was my hormones. I knew within myself that there was an underlying cause to all my medical issues. I went from being completely healthy and busy mom to nothing there. There had been a change that took place in my body, but what could it have been? So crying and in complete desperation, I called my doctor, whom I promise you was tired of hearing from me, and asked to be seen that day. They very reluctantly worked me in, and I told them I needed my hormones checked. By this point, I had gotten so frustrated with nothing helping, I had went off all my medication. I was told that they had just started to be able to check hormone levels by doing lab work. They drew my blood. The doctor called me and said, Mandy, I am so sorry. Your hormone levels are depleted. And it makes perfect sense as to why you are having the symptoms you are having. She immediately started hormone replacement therapy. After seven years of complete devastation, my life being completely wrecked, within 24 hours of me hearing the word hormones, I was healed. My father healed me. My energy levels returned. Depression was gone. Pain, gone. 
I was going to take over the world at this point. That morning, I had physically seen the darkness leave my room. I'll never forget it. The light filled my room, and I knew it was Jesus, my Father, that healed me. It was his spirit that told me what it was and what I needed to do. All I had to do was obey. You see, it wasn't until I pressed into him for healing, asking for help, that he could help me because I didn't know him. He knew me because he made me, but I didn't know him. Now I know that it was Father pursuing me the entire time. He could have healed me right away, but I wouldn't have reached out to the hem of his garment or sought after him if he had. If he would have healed me right away, I wouldn't have the compassion that I have for the sick and the hurting, those with depression, mental health issues, physical health issues. There has been so much purpose to my pain. He uses all things for the good of his kingdom. I realized that when I felt that need to pray, it was him that was drawing me into him to be able to hear him and trust him. Now, he calls me daughter. I am completely healthy and made whole, living my life for Father, my healer, my comforter, my savior. The point is, is when you feel outcast or in need of healing, cry out to Jesus. He meets us where we are and reminds us of his love for us. He is drawn to our brokenness. If you feel the need to pray now, know that it's Father drawing you in. He's drawing you close to him. He wants a relationship with you just like he wanted a relationship with me. It's his desire that you would reach out to touch the hem of his garment. Let him find you wherever you are and meet you there at your lowest lows and your highest highs. Father, he's so good. The altar is open. He wants you to come and reach out for the hem of his garment. The Father spoke that into me as I was writing this. Don't think that the enemy didn't come at me. He tried really hard to get me right back in this bed, that bed this week. 
the next morning after I wrote this, he hit me with a really bad vertigo. And I said, not today, Satan. My father brought me up out of that bed, and I'm not getting back in it. Just so you're aware, we have several people here that are willing to pray with you. It's that action, like Ashley said, of reaching out to him. He wants to meet with you. Healing, emotional healing, physical healing, he wants to heal you today. He wants it done. He wants it taken care of. You do not have to carry these burdens with you. You do not have to feel physical pain. You do not have to carry around emotional baggage. He wants you free. That's why he went up on the cross. It was for your freedom, for your health. Those stripes he took, those stripes that he took was for your healing. It was for you. It was already done. 2,000 years ago, it was done for us. All you have to do is reach out to him. Show him how much you want it. To show him how much you want it. Come to him. Lay it down. He loves you so much. He loves us so much. I pray that somebody today, this encourages somebody today, and that somebody receives their healing and that their deliverance. What a beautiful Mother's Day gift it would be to be delivered. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.